Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where it's a virtual schwitz out there as New York warms up into the 40s. Who knew that that would be something to celebrate? Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nahum's live lunch. And who do we see behind the board? Actually, I see myself. That is correct for the first time in a long time. I am actually engineering my own show. Yeah, as, as crazy as that sounds, I mean, you're going to hear some crazy stuff during today's show. That is for sure, as we hear about the mighty Adam. But frankly, this is my own feat of strength is uh, is engineering my own program. That is for sure. But you got to keep those uh, you got to keep those skills going. So here I am. I am functioning without a net. So shout out to Avrami who is in our Baltimore studios today. Shout out to Yoni who is uh, actually recovering from a bit of an injury, but he will be fine. We build them tough around here. Let's go through today's national holidays. Uh, it's cigarettes are hazardous to your health day. As if you needed a national holiday to tell you that in the first place. Yes. Cigarettes are hazardous to your health. It's also learn your name in Morse code day. I'm not sure for something like that, that it's actually going to inspire me to learn my name in Morse code, but it does inspire me to get a Nahum Siegel Network national holiday, because if that can have its own national holiday, I don't know why we don't have one as well. Let's see. We also have National Human Tracking Trafficking Awareness Day that is certainly Certainly something we should all be aware of. We should not shut our eyes to that. And it's National Milk Day. So go get yourself a latte, folks, or make yourself some chocolate milk. That's what we would do in my house, hot chocolate or chocolate milk. That's how we would celebrate National Milk Day. I also want to do the fortune cookie. I'm not here to disappoint anyone, but know that one person who won the Powerball last week and the Mega Millions, that that wasn't me. I know that's shocking to everyone because you're like, oh, wow, I, I thought it was Miriam. But no, it's not Miriam. Miriam did not win anything. Um, Nahum won, I think, four bucks, and I won a whole bunch of nothing. But again, I think that's because Yoni Pollock was in the vicinity, as in a, you know, a, a block radius of me buying the ticket, and that is what jinxed it. All right, today's fortune. Ha! If this wasn't, uh, I mean, if this wasn't perfect for today's show, yeah, every, every, wow, unbelievable. Today's fortune, it takes all sorts of, to make up the world. And isn't that the truth? That is certainly the truth here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and that's certainly the the the, the case for our guest. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and uh, the guest I have on this morning, I mean, everything works out for a reason. The fortune cookie makes sense. Everything makes sense today. It's it's pretty crazy. I, I have previewed this this movie, uh, which our guest is, is going to discuss, and it it's very close to home for him because it is a story about his grandfather. I want to thank Adar Novak for bringing this story and this movie to my attention. And I want to let everyone know that the inspiration for this entire interview comes from the Merrick Jewish Center. The Merrick Jewish Center is going to be showing the following film. It's called The Mighty Adam. It's going to be playing this Sunday, the 14th at 4 p.m. It is a fundraiser for the Merrick Jewish Center Youth Lounge. I highly recommend that if you are in the area, or if you're not in the area, but you want your kids to see a, a an incredible, incredible documentary, which is sure to delight everyone of every age, because it, is, it certainly has something for everyone and certainly for every Jew out there who thinks that, you know, we are... Um, 
we're lawyers and doctors and we're accountants. Um, but yet you have this unbelievable story of a wonderful, wonderful man. So The Mighty Adam is an incredible true story of Joe Greenstein. He was 5'4", five, 5'4", four, five folks, and he was the world's strongest man. He stopped an airplane from taking off with his hair. He bent steel with his hands. He bit through nails, and he achieved impossible feats of strength. Stephen Greenstein, his grandson, is the man who joins us here today. He directed the film. See, he is a seasoned television and film professional, has been working in the creative media industry for more than two decades, working with ad agencies and television networks. Stephen has directed and edited commercials and TV shows for an impressive roster of clients, including the Discovery Channel, National Geographic, PBS, Maytag, AT&T, Nike, Prilosec, thank God for Prilosec, and Thermacare. Uh, he currently owns Squad 47, which is a production company based in the Washington, D.C. area. He is a proud father and husband to three children. He lives in the D.C. area himself, and he will be at the Merrick Jewish Center event this coming Sunday. So good morning to you. Good morning to you as well. Thank you so much for joining me. I don't even know where to start except to say that I'm sure that Generation to Generation Day at your school, bringing your grandfather to school and saying, uh, this is what my grandpa did <laughs> or yeah. does, was probably an interesting, interesting event. You know, um, I sort of my entire life dealt with skepticism about what he did and, and how it was possible to do what he did. And so it's, uh, it's a common thing. I mean, for someone to be so physically small and to achieve such physical greatness, you know, I understand the skepticism, but the, the story is real. The story is real. He was five foot four. He was 160 some odd pounds. And the story, which um, which starts with basically what I'm going to use the word inspired him, but what kicked him to get to to move forward on becoming this strong man is really in and of itself a story. Yeah, he was uh, supposed to die as a child. He had tuberculosis, which I think at the time had an 80 percent death rate. Um, this is in the early 1900s. And uh, he ran away with a strongman, a circus strongman in Poland, and uh, he learned mind over matter. And then that strongman taught him diet and health. And, you know, he traveled with him for about eight months around the world, and that changed his life. And he was able to overcome tuberculosis and really open his mind to what was possible. And it, and that is so much a, a common thread or an ongoing thread throughout the entire film. The Mighty Adam, by the way, if you cannot get to uh, the Merrick Jewish Center this Sunday. It is available on iTunes. People should know that. You can rent it or buy it off of iTunes. And, folks, um, it's unrated. It is rated G. It is something that you can watch with your families. It is true family-oriented programming. I mean that wholeheartedly. Let's talk for a second about that mental test, the mental training. Why is it or how is it that he was able to clear his mind and understand that concept at such a young age? You know, that's a bit of a mystery. And of all the things that I know of my grandfather, I mean, he, he passed when I was five. And so I knew all of my uncles very well, but I never really understood what it was that he was able to tap into. But, you know, tying Star Wars into it, the, the closest thing I can think of is that of a Jedi. You know, mm. he has this power in him. And really, we all have this power in us. And he was able to tap into it. You know, my father, who was one of the Greenstein boys that would perform, all of the Greenstein men performed. Um, he would say to me that if you were to wave your hand in front of my grandfather while he was performing, he wouldn't see you. He was somewhere else. And whatever state of hypnosis he would put himself in, it worked. He was able to tap into a part of his brain that I think we all can, but I'm not sure how he did it. 
No, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine that that part of my brain even exists, let alone being able to tap into it as a source of strength. But it seemed that there is absolutely nothing that he couldn't put his mind to and accomplish. And that was almost the biggest sort of his biggest downfall, so to speak, in, in terms of uh, strongman. That was his weakness. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm around strongman culture uh, my entire life. And uh, like anybody, strongmen, they're complicated men. And, and I think to be able to do this, or, or women, but to be able to do this, you have to have ultimate belief that what you're doing is going to happen. And that's very hard to turn off in the rest of your life. You know, I said in the film, if you spend your life convincing yourself that something will bend to your will, a lot of things must bend to your will. You know, it's not as simple just to turn that off. Right. So family family relationships and interpersonal relationships obviously are always compromised in a situation like this. Yeah, you know, he was a complicated man. and He was, on the one hand, incredible. And not just at physical feats of strength. He cared about people. He would try to cure people. He really cared about people's health. And that was genuine. On the flip side, he had a massive ego. And, you know, as somebody who can pick up a car over his head might have, you know, he was able to do things that people just couldn't wrap their mind around. And I can understand why it might be hard to believe you're anything less than perfect. No, that that certainly does make sense. I, and by the way, of course, to his defense, you are when you're a guy or anybody who is able to accomplish the inconceivable, the the outrageous, the bizarre there. I mean, there's a lot of ego that goes with it and sort of you've you've earned it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the person I always have likened him to is Michael Jordan. You mm. know, just because Michael Jordan said he was the best basketball player on the planet didn't mean he was wrong. Um, you know, you have to have that kind of belief that everything you're going to face, you're going to beat. And it does take that so to achieve what he achieved. So, you know, on the one hand, he was a very kind man. He wasn't running around beating people up. Um, on the other hand, if he saw some type of injustice, uh, you know, he's going to try to right that wrong, maybe a bit more aggressively than he should have. Uh, also, he was, you know, uh, about his opinion, would think he was right more often than wrong because mm. he believed in his heart that he was. But he was a good man overall, and we touch on some of the flaws in the film. But the, the big takeaway is that he was a just amazing person, and I want the world to know this happened, especially the Jewish community, because we're always told we have three athletes. You know, you have <laughs> Hank Greenberg, Sandy Koufax, and Mark Spitz, and that's kind of all we have, right? Right. Um, and if you want to add somebody to that list, I mean, I don't see why he shouldn't be on that list. No, I agree with you completely. And what uh, what was going through my mind while watching the film was Dimitri Salida, who is the, yeah. who is the Jewish boxer. And so, again, mm -hmm. you look at him and you say, like, wow, he's an outlier. And you, you see here the story of your grandfather, and you say he's an outlier, but then we just finished Hanukkah. And so I have to remind myself of all of the Maccabees who were, you know, not the strongest men on the planet, <laughs> but were able to do the unthinkable as well. And so we do have fighters in us. And, and yeah. that's also why, you know, of course, just to, you know, bring it full circle as the Zionist in me, that's why the Israeli army is so amazing. So yeah, you know, how many times have we defeated things exactly. that on paper shouldn't have happened that way? And there's such a force of will in all of us that if we can tap into it, you can achieve way more than you think conceptually you can achieve. And that's the point of this film. It's not about, you know, being a Jew, although that was a huge part of his right. identity. It's about being a human being who can achieve something way more than you think your mind is going to let you achieve. And uh, one of the strong men in the film, his name is Slim Farman. My grandfather trained him. He calls the concept the governor. If you allow the governor to kick in and say, this is all I'm going to let you do, then that's 
you've already stopped yourself mm. before you realize you can get way past what you thought you could do. Uh, I never did any feats of strongmanism until this film. I decided to see if I could do things. I'm 5'7", 185 pounds. I'm not particularly large. Uh, and I've been bending uh, what's called a 60-penny spike now. And there's a point where you think your arms are going to break. There's a point where you think, I can't do this. My wrists are going to snap. And to convince yourself that you can do it is the whole trick. Of course, I'm doing the lowest, lowest level of strongman feats, uh, so it's not particularly amazing to do this. But there's a point where you think it's going to cut my hand, it's going to break my wrist, and to get past that hurdle is a giant part of it. I, I, dro- I opened a jar of pickles the other night. If, if, that, <laughs> if, that, counts, <laughs> if that counts for any kind of a strongman effort, sure. yeah, sure. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready for the for the sixty. You know, things spike. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that to you. You're listening to that's live here at the Nachum Siegel Network. We're joined by Stephen Greenstein. By the way, is it Greenstein or Greenstein? It, it is Stein. Thank you for asking. No, Stein. not at all. I, I, I didn't pick up on it at first, and then I realized, you know what? I, I really, I mean, he could break me with his hands. I really should pronounce his last name <laughs> properly. Steve Greenstein. He's the director of the Mighty Adam. The Mighty Adam, as I mentioned before, is being shown this Sunday at 4 p.m. at the Merrick Jewish Center. Again, it is a fundraiser. For their youth lounge, but you can also watch it on iTunes. The film is available for purchase on iTunes. I want to start with what is the craziest feat that your grandfather was able to accomplish to what you think now that you're, I guess, performing things as well, what you think is a more doable act for someone who is starting out. Okay, so the craziest thing I think he ever did was he stopped a plane from taking off with his hair. Um, I don't understand how that's possible you know they they tied his uh his torso with a rope so he wouldn't just get pulled but then he had the resistance he had these steel combs in his hair and he did a lot with his hair that was kind of his thing the the cool part about my grandfather is that he invented a lot of this there were a couple of people before him breitbart klein but really a lot of these feats of strength are particular to him and he decided teeth and hair were going to be a big deal for him so he would train his hair with weights he would hang weights because you had to thicken the scalp. So at a certain point in 1930-something, he stopped the plane from taking off, a two-passenger plane. And about two years later, and I've heard this anecdotally, I tried very, very hard to find the article and I couldn't find it, but someone tried the same feat and died instantly. <gasps> the, the, the plane ripped his scalp off. Oh, my God. Okay. And so I don't know. I don't understand how he did that. The, the one that I think is probably the greatest feat, although it might not seem like it to the outside, is he would bite a nail in half all the time. Um, he would take a standard nail, and it'd take him about five minutes, and he would bite it in half. And I just cannot wrap my brain around how your jaw and your teeth can make that happen in such a short period of time, or at all. I, I, I'm, I'm stuck on the the guy who died. I, I can't even. Yeah. That is that is a horror. But again, that is just yes. what makes your grandfather, major grandfather, again to use. Malcolm Gladwell's term. To, he is what he was the very definition of an outlier. Somebody. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's no other way to explain it, especially because we're talking about a time where people didn't take steroids. We're talking about no. a time where there were no, you know, there were no enhancing drugs. There was no this. There was no that. He was also at the forefront, not only of this strength training and this mental training, but also on this not on this notion that what you put in your body is just as important as what you do with your body. And that was also yeah. that was groundbreaking. It was, and, you know, that was how he cured himself. So, you know, before there were medicines and things to, you know, 
treat diseases, you really had to do it naturally. And so he, when he went away with the strongman, his name was Volanco, champion Volanco, he engineered a health regimen for himself, but also created health products. And that's how he made his living. Of course, the shows he did were about drawing an audience and getting people to come. But at the end of a show, he would be selling his health products. He had about seven or eight different things, a soap, an elixir, uh, a pain liniment. He had a, um, a colon cleansing product. Um, this was the core of what he believed, and that was really his message. The strength was only means to an end to show people how to ha- have a healthier life, and that was really his concern. And anybody who was sick, he wanted to help them because he was sick, and he knew his outlook was so grim. His father died at 39, and he used watched his father be buried and just did not want that fate for himself. So right. all the things he did were really a way of proselytizing healthy living. But that was also a, a, a transformative moment for him, not only the diagnosis at a young age with TB, but also the burial of his father. And that entire yeah. scene in the movie was very, um, I found, I mean, I found a, no, no, a number of the scenes um, hit home in different ways, but that part was very moving, that kind of facing your mortality because all of a sudden you're a kid and and your father has passed and there's Kaddish and there's the rest of your life and there's what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, it hit him home. It hit home very hard for him. And, you know, um, I, I would not recommend running away from your mother, uh, but he chose right. to do that. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, when he came home, she passed out. She went feet white and he pa- she passed out because she thought he had died. She didn't uh. know what happened to him. But, um, you know, the foundation of healthy living was a huge part of his life and, and really what made him live to as long as he lived. He, he died at 84. And one of the very interesting quirks of my grandfather was he would lie about his age all the time. Uh, he would add 10 years to his age. And I think that has to do with ego because he right. was so, I mean, this is the part that's crazy. He was so amazing. What he did, you can't wrap your brain around, but he would think he wasn't good enough. He would think if he aged himself and I was even older, if I'm 75 biting a nail and a half, that's amazing. 65, uh, I don't know. And that's nuts. But he wanted the crowd to have this experience, and he wanted people to think what he did was amazing, which it was. I mean, all in and of itself was amazing. That is unbelievable. It's also unbelievable to me that um, he is still so legendary. I mean, looking at the listening to the the anecdotes in the film by people who are part of the strongman community, of which I am not a member, and um, (laughs) and listening to them talk about him with such, not only like such regard, but also, I mean, like he was just a human Superman. Like it was almost an unattainable kind of greatness that they are, they themselves all clearly have a tremendous amount of skill and a tremendous amount of strength. But when they look at your grandfather, they speak of your grandfather. It's like, there's a wow factor in in their voice. That is almost like a lilt that they speak of like, wow, I wish I could be that great. You know, in the strongman community, my grandfather is the alpha and the omega. Mm. He wasn't just about, they call this the iron game, right? And it's about iron bending and things like that. But he had influence way past that. He trained uh, John Grimmick, who was the first Mr. Olympia. He was, in terms of the bodybuilding culture, an icon. The martial arts culture, an icon. And my entire life, you know, I, I look just like him, as you'll see all the men in the film have the exact right. same face. Right. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be going on the street somewhere and someone will stop me and say, are you related to the mighty Adam? And it's like, how did you know that? So the reason why I think he is so revered is 
there are people today who can do similar things. I don't think the same, but as a matter of fact, uh, Steve Weiner is going to be performing at this event at the Merrick Jewish Center, and he's amazing. He rolls frying pans. I've seen him before. Uh, he doesn't know that I've watched him perform, but I, I have, and he does incredible things. He takes uh, frying, frying pans and rolls them for speed. Right. I think he has a wor- world record. What I think my grandfather added to that was he was sort of like Roger Bannister, who was the first person to run the four-minute mile. Once he did it, Everybody did it. But until that point, they didn't think it was possible. My grandfather created many of these things. Are they incredibly hard to do? Yes. And requires years of training and will and all of that. But no one even thought conceptually it was possible until my grandfather created it. So that way, he is an icon. He is in and of himself. So, you know, the fact that he was able to say, I can stop a plane with my hair or I can bite a nail in half, open the door for other people to try some new things. There are some wonderful strongmen today, uh, Dennis Rogers being one of them. Um, If people want to learn this, there's a a guy named Chris Ryder out of Pennsylvania who teaches how to do some of these things. Um, There are new things being invented, but I think the possibility is there because of my grandfather. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, there, there's always the first, right? And, there, and, and he or she sets a benchmark in a particular industry and or a particular skill set. And then it's everyone trying to follow suit. It's, it's beating the world records in the number of home runs and, and a number of games and, and, and the distance and the this. And it, it, it's all true. It's all true. But somebody has to do it first. And, and it's a total credit to his mental strength that his, that his size and his health and his lifestyle and everything else was not was not an impediment it was just a source of inspiration and that's that is certainly also a gift we only have a few minutes left i i want to ask you and i don't know i don't know at what point you knew her or not but can you tell me about your grandmother in all of this because as, yeah, as actually, the jewish mother i'm sitting here going well first of all i wonder what your great grandmother thought when he finally came home <laughs> and said, like, where have you been? And this is what you're doing with your life. And then I wonder about your grandmother who, you know, who has to bring home this guy and says, well, you know, mom, dad, my, my future husband bends nails with his teeth for a living. <laughs> well, my grandmother, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have uh, enough time in the film to cover that. But she was his heart. He couldn't uh, function without her. Wow. My, my grandmother was, especially as was sort of common in those days, she was the home support. You know, my father is the youngest of 10 children. Um, they had 10 children themselves, but they were always about 18 to 20 people in that house. And she took care of everyone. And I can describe her, I think, the most accurately this way. My grandfather was famous in his day. When he died, he filled the funeral home. When she died, they had to open up another door and a whole other wall because she doubled the size of who came to her wow. funeral. She was beloved in the neighborhood. She was everyone's mother. And she was his backbone. And without, when she died, that's when he really started to go south. Wow. What a legacy. What a legacy. And, and it's amazing to me because you would think that in that kind of interpersonal relationship, somebody with this kind of ability would suffer there. But to hear that they had that kind of a unique relationship is really heartwarming. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he was a complex man, but she was everyone's mother. And I, you know, I'm 45 years old. I've heard people described for 45 years. I've never heard someone held in such reverence as my grandmother Beautiful. by people in the neighborhood, uh, by generations since. You know, uh, obviously, my father being the youngest of 10, and I'm his youngest of four. I have many cousins. And as I speak to all of my family, like she's, she's the enduring legacy. As much as he was 
incredible. You know, she was the heart of the whole thing. That's amazing. Are there other, are, are any of your cousins strong men or women, as the case may be? You know, I don't think most of us have uh, done this. And, and the reason why my father kept me away from it was you don't do this for a living without scars and without pain uh, and without right. a lot of a lot of physical things that happen to you. And it's, it's a choice you make. And so I enjoy directing commercials and TV shows, and that suits <laughs> me just fine. And uh, I like being in my nice edit suite with grapes brought to me. So that, that's a nice, a nice way to make right, a living. Right, I hear but, that. Um, yeah, but... Uh, that's no, a good it, living it, for a good Jewish boy. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, a Jew in show business, go figure. I know, who would have thunk it? Right, exactly. Yeah. Stay there. It's safer there. There are, <laughs> there are no nails. Yeah, the talk about that pain, just even conceptually thinking about the pain that he must have physically put himself through on a consistent basis was, was frankly horrifying to me. You know, when I think yeah. about the pain that a stupid paper cut causes and the fact that he's, you know, <laughs> bending stakes and whatever yeah. and having cars driven at him. I mean, I was like, you know what? Wow, yeah. I'm a wimp. Let me tell you the, wor- <laughs> the worst one that I thought happened to him. So one of the things he would do is he would take a two-inch board, put 19 piece of, uh, pieces of sheet metal on top of it, and then take a nail with a hanky oh, I saw that. To, to protect his hand. And he would drive it with his hand through all of that. It would come out the other side of the board. I saw that. So, that was horrible. Right. <laughs> that was, it's crazy. And he would do it all the time. But one time, you, you use the hanky to protect your hands. People think it's a trick, but it's not. It's just a way of not having it hurt your hand. Right. Or that much anyway. God. But one time, he, he put it backwards. And he drove the nail right through his hand. <gasps> and I can't even imagine using even. all of your force. The nail went right through his hand. And as a matter of fact, every subsequent time he performed that feat with the same hand, he had a habit of putting the nail in his mouth to make sure he had the correct side. He could feel the back of it. And oh. then he would put it in the hanky. And people would think, oh, you're cheating. You're slicking the nail. You're doing something to make this easier. And most people think this is bunk. They think this can't happen because they can't wrap their brain around it and think that he was cheating. There's no trick to this. He just convinced himself he was going to do it. And that was, to me, the worst injury I can even imagine him suffering. Yeah, no, I I cannot imagine. I mean, I'm pretty proud of myself that I shoveled out two cars in the snow last week. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, I mean, this this is something else. Steve Greenstein has joined us. He is the director of The Mighty Adam again. This is a fundraiser for the Merrick Jewish Center for their Youth Lounge this Sunday. You can go to MerrickJC.org slash Mighty Adam. A-T-O-M, by the way, not A-D-A-M. Atom. So that you can register there. You can buy your tickets in advance or you can buy your tickets at the door. In addition, as I mentioned before, the film is available on iTunes. Steve, this was a fantastic conversation. I'm totally fascinated. Doesn't make me want to, you know, start bending things. I got to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I thank you for your time. And more so, I thank you for bringing this story to light because if if you hadn't, I mean, there would be so much that, that frankly, I would be lacking. And, and I really appreciate his contribution. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Wow, that was that was unbelievably fascinating. Right after t- this program, of course, we are followed by Nachum's live lunch. Nachum is not in the studio this week, so stay tuned because um, we will be, we will be, <laughs> we have a lot going on. That is for sure. The live lunch follows right after today's program. Nachum will be on JM and AM tomorrow morning. That is for sure, as he hosts JM and AM from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And he is joined by Malcolm Holine at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. And Naomi with Table for Two starting at 9 a.m. The Arab Shabbos music mix 
starts after the Arab Shabbos show Encore, which is really at 10 o'clock. A lot going on, folks. A lot going on. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull this Monday Shabbos starting at 9 p.m. Matis hosts JM Sunday, as he has been seamlessly since its inception this Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. I'd like to finish today. I'm closing today with Shalsheles, the title track off of their new album. It's called We're Coming Home. It's recently been released. They were phenomenal in studio on Monday, and they were certainly phenomenal as well at the Haas concert. So enjoy this track. It is track number one. It is called Home off of their We're Coming Home album. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. If got a t-shirt rim, call a young before a lion. Shalom.